This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Stephen Ellis. Joining me as always is Ryan Candy. Ryan, how you doing? Pretty good. How's it going? Good. We were in Buffalo over the weekend for the we Angel Draft Combine. All right. If, if, did it feel fast to you? It did feel fast. And, you know, there have been years in the past where I've gone down on the Friday mm. uh, and, and stayed overnight, and that gives it a bit more length. Or, you know, what we used to do uh, when it was in Mississauga and occasionally in Buffalo is just hang out at the hotel, mm-hmm. and then you could grab players uh, during the week when they were going back and forth with their interviews, and you could talk to agents and things like that. Um, you know, obviously in the current pandemic uh, climate, driving back and forth, you know, just to hang out at a hotel isn't the best idea. So we kept it to the day of and still got a lot of good stuff. Yeah, a lot of fantastic stuff, a lot of stuff coming to the website, a lot of stuff already on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of quite when, we, when I was asking for questions on this, there was a lot of people asking like, oh, what are your thoughts on the draft combine? The thing about it, and we did, we did do a video on it talking yeah. about our thoughts, but it's like people are saying like, did anyone really surprise you? And it's like, I don't think we get that out of the numbers and stuff of jumping and stuff. It, that's not why we're there. Yeah, not too much. Um, you know, I would say, you know, based on that uh, University of Guelph study that I blogged on uh, last week, I, I did pay a lot more attention to the VO2 max results and the peak leg power results. So, you know, players like Isaiah George stood out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joachim Kamel did really well. Fabian Wagner uh, from Sweden is a, a player that's now a little more on my radar based on the fact that he did so well in so many of those key events. So, you know, in, in that respect, you can kind of focus on things. And again, these are not sure things. Just because you do well on one exercise doesn't mean you're going to be an NHLer next year. But, you know, it was interesting to see who did well. And just, you know, Shane Wright uh, was was top 20 for all the different uh, leg power, the sort of early results. And, you know, he also uh, interviewed very well, apparently, yes. from people I spoke with. So, you know, those are good things to know. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, it's great access, great to meet the kids face-to-face, find out a little bit about them and, and just sort of get those little fun combine nuggets. And it's fun because the players at that point, because they're not drafted in the NHL yet, they're still kind of like, they're, they're slightly media trained, but they're still there. Like they're not under like complete wraps. It's like totally. they can actually have some fun with yeah. it. So it's like, you, you see some of these guys that are like, Owen Pickering was just like the happiest guy on the planet. He's like, I didn't think I'd be here. Right. Like, here I am. And it's like, he, he's a great prospect. So all 32 uh, teams interviewed him, which is very cool. That's, yeah. that's, that's gotta be cool for a player's confidence. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So that there are times where guys that go to the draft combine don't even get up drafted. And there very wasn't, true. I think it was like 85 listed, but I don't think 85 participated. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. A lot of fun to, to see that yeah. out there. And it's been a few years. So it has. Let's talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, at the time of recording this, uh, we are uh, last night. The Edmonton Oilers were the first team out of the conference finals, and it will be the Colorado Avalanche moving on. And the Oilers, this is a team where, and I wrote about it, some Oilers fans weren't happy. The warning signs for this team falling apart was clear. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something where they, they're they got a good group. Obviously, they got guys like like. McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, Evander Kane was really good until he got suspended. But then you're looking at the like, let's say the blue line, and mm-hmm. well, I'd say it's a step up from the last couple of years. Darnell Nurse was not good because he was hurt the whole time, playing yeah. for a hip injury. I don't recommend that. Yeah. Um, so when your best defenseman's playing at like 60% and the rest of the league is kind of like taking advantage of it, uh, or in this case, Colorado's taking advantage of it, it's tough. So I guess what went wrong and where did they go from here? Well, I, I'm going to flip it around a bit and, and say, you know, the thing that went right for them up until the Colorado series was that they got otherworldly performances, you know, right at the top from McDavid and Dreisaitl, where they could score themselves out of trouble a lot of times. And, you know, Mike Smith, roller coaster ride, obviously. Uh, some games he was brilliant. Some games he literally gave the game away. Yeah. Um, he didn't play fantastic. He didn't play fantastic, four. but at the same time, there was, time, you know, there was games where, you know, he was the difference in the end, you know, especially in that Calgary series when Jacob Markstrom just got peppered. So, and even against LA, where Jonathan Quick had some pretty good moments himself. And, yeah. and there were, 
But also got shelled at times. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Which is true. But his stats after that first round were so pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I thought the Oilers did pretty well with the group that they had. And then Colorado really exposed them. And, you know, what's interesting is that Colorado played most of the series with their backup goaltender, uh, Pavel Francouz. So, I mean, the Oilers had a bit of an advantage there in that they weren't facing Darcy Kemper. Um, but, you know, Francouz played... Fairly well. He played good enough. Yep. Um, Which is kind of what he's always... He, you can rely on him. He's yeah. not going to steal you a game if it's right. tight, but he'll get he'll the job done. Because he wasn't great in game four either. No, exactly. He'll he'll be fine. Uh, you know, but the problem with the Oilers is that they just don't take care of the puck very well. And defensively as a team, they're not great. And they were able to score themselves out of trouble a lot in the playoffs. But against Colorado, when you're going up against McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen, you know, Kadri up until sort of you know game three... Uh, you know, they, they just couldn't fight back that tide. So, you know, when I look at this Oilers group, I, I still see a lot of potential for next year because I look at a couple of factors. I think Evan Bouchard's going to be better next year. Yes. I think his game's going to round out even further. And he's already shown himself to be uh, a pretty good weapon on the power play. In the playoffs, he, he, was, he was hit or miss, but there was a lot of really positive signs. Exactly. So, you know, count on some growth from him. Let's say he's 15, 20% better next sure. year than he was this year. You know, I think Philip Broberg needs to be a regular top mm. six defenseman for the Oilers. That will help. He's big, he's mobile, you know, he can be a shutdown guy. He does have some offense to his game as well. So that will help as well. Nurse will be healthy. I think the other thing I'm very intrigued by is do we see Connor McDavid make his Steve Eiserman turn next season where he spends the summer concentrating on defense and says, okay, you know, I scored. I mean, what did he end up with? How many points? Uh, like 30? Like, I think it was pretty close to 30 at least. Yeah. Okay, they still didn't get to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Even though he was putting up Gretzky-like numbers, he was putting up 1980s numbers. And Dreisaitl, too. <laughs> and Dreisaitl, too, yeah. on one ankle. And, you know, by the end, who knows how many healthy bones he had. 33 points for McDavis. It's actually one of the best playoff performances we've seen in the in the salary cup era. There and you it's go. not enough. Right, and it was enough. So I wonder if McDavid goes back to the lab and says, okay, if I can get better defensively, that's how we can get at least to a championship, uh, if not win a championship. So that to me is the very interesting X factor is how much can McDavid improve defensively over the summer and how much that will affect the Oilers as they move on. Okay, I like that. And, and this is an Oilers team that with all this talent, again, how good McDavid and Drysaddle and Drysaddle playing of like half a body and uh, Evander came before he got suspended. Like that line was very, very good. Oh, Obviously yeah. the numbers don't lie. Best line in the playoffs, essentially. Um, and that wasn't enough. And that's partly because they didn't get a ton of scoring from throughout the lineup. Jesse Pugliarvi, not really there. Mm -hmm. uh, Yamamoto, hit or miss. I believe he got most of his points in like little spurts. Um, and... When you look at Colorado, look at some of those guys that were really important for them. Uh, that that scoring depth was huge. Um, totally. Lekkanen, obviously, fantastic yeah. final game. And they went and tinkered at the trade deadline. The Oilers didn't. They went and got a couple depth pieces, one being Derek Broussard, who played one playoff game, mm. and the other being Brett Kulak, who wasn't one of the better players on the Oilers. So they didn't really do much of the deadline. They stayed pat when people were like, you guys got to do something else here because it's going to be a very big fight. It's like, oh, you got to overcome Calgary. And they did. Yeah. Uh, you got to overcome Colorado. And they didn't. Uh, a couple other teams that we thought could be strong there, and they didn't really improve. They didn't address goaltending. And again, Mike Smith could be this guy who could be special uh, at points, but then he'll go out there and have a complete brain fart. And this is also, he's got one more year on his contract, but you got to wonder, will he, will he just retire? I don't know. That's speculative. A lot of people are wondering, is he just going to retire a year early type thing? Because Oilers could have to at least figure out one goalie spot. Yeah. And that's, is Stuart Skinner the guy? Is right. this group, how much work will this take? Because they made the conference final. It's not like they, and they had to beat some good teams to get there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's not like they just kind of just lucked in. Like they actually had to play some pretty good hockey here. Yeah. The Calgary Flames were the better team during the year with the better goalie and they yeah. beat them. Um, so like, can't take that away from them, but it's like, what do they do to take the next step? Mm -hmm. and they've got the talent to build around. They've got some good guys, and maybe they got to wait till Duncan Keefe's done. <laughs> His career's yeah. over. And, but they got they need some help on defense. They need those young guys to kind of step up in a big way. I don't think that they're – I still think they're very close, but right now it's, it's tough because mm -hmm. there's still some work that needs to be done. 
Very much so. And again, you know, I, I think for a team that wasn't even in a playoff spot at one point during the season, we were wondering, like, are they going to miss? Obviously, Jay Woodcroft really, um, you know, pulled them into the fight and, and got them into that playoff spot. And then from there, as we mentioned, McDavid and Dreisaitl took over, mm-hmm. um, you know, Nugent Hopkins had his moments as well. You know, they had a bit of depth. And as you mentioned, Evander Kane had a very good playoffs for them. Will he be back? Yeah, will he be back? I mean, he was a huge bargain based on his contract situation. Would he be willing to do that again? I don't know. Um, but, you know, they're going to be in the mix. You know, part of me wonders if they might have missed a bit of a window. Um, if teams are going to figure out, you know, what Colorado did to, I mean, you didn't, stop McDavid or Dreisaitl, but you contained them enough that you could sweep the series. So it's it's going to be an uphill battle next year as well. But if they get those other performances from guys like Broberg, mm-hmm. Bouchard, um, you know, I would even throw Dylan Holloway into the mix yep. where, you know, he got into his first NHL game. Um, that's very nice. But next year, that's the year where you got a big kid that can skate mm-hmm. really fast. You know, he could be kind of a secret weapon for you, even if it's in a secondary role. I think we can all agree the Edmonton Oilers going for a Stanley Cup final would be good for the game because you've totally. got two of the biggest stars in there. Yeah. So it's like, even if you're not an Oilers fan, and a lot of people will dislike the Oilers because oh, they were so good at one point, and they also have all these good players now. Um, but it's like, that would be good for marketing the game, kind of mm-hmm. like when Pittsburgh was making it with Crosby. Like, that's good when your stars are there. Totally. And it seems like like that's a basketball thing. It's very easy. It's every year you kind of know the best player is going to be there. But yeah. here it's 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 so hard to make the finals. It's so tough that even if you're the best player on the ice, it might not matter. Yeah. And uh, so the Oilers will be there at some point. How long? That's a good question. One guy I want to talk about in particular on the Oilers, Darnell Nurse. And mm. plays injured pretty much this whole time. And we always hear injuries, like players can play through injuries. That's what makes these guys so tough. But it almost like hurt the team having him play this whole time hurt. Hip injuries are very serious. Yeah. And and it's funny because I thought he made some pretty good plays last night. But, uh, you know, obviously his effectiveness was limited in the series. Like he could have been so much better is the key. Like he played, he played good, but it's like he wasn't great. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't typical Darnell Nurse because, yeah, a torn hip flexor, that sounds ghastly. Uh, especially in a sport like hockey. So you lose and you got to spend the offseason rehabbing it. It's like, oh, that's yeah. just double the pain. Yeah, exactly. Now, I mean, the problem is, you know, the Oilers didn't have the defensive depth to replace him. And that's tough. I mean, again, like, could you have brought Broberg up? You know, you had Slater Kukuk in the system. But otherwise, you know, I mean, they were playing 7D. Um, and, you know, Brett Kulak, as you mentioned, he was an acquisition, but he was more of a depth guy. So, you know, with Oscar Kleffbaum missing the whole season, you're already kind of behind the eight ball there. I mean, these things happen and it's tough. And again, you know, this was a team that a couple of months ago, we didn't even know if they would get out of the first round. So, I mean, they did kind of overachieve. And I'm not sure if GM Ken Holland, you know, you always try to put together uh, the best team you can, but they might have been a, a bit of a surprise. Especially at, you know that Calgary series, I think a lot of people thought that yeah. was going to go the other way. A surprise that, but they could have tinkered to the point and made this where they weren't having to fight for their playoff lives at the end of yeah, the season. Yeah. Like they could have made a couple changes, and that starts with not having a forty-year-old starting goalie with an sure. inconsistent backup. And it's like, and I can't recall it, but I think it was like Flurry. There were not many teams that were actually fully in on him, and right. which is why he went to Minnesota. It's like, it's like would Flurry have made a difference? wasn't great for the, the the while in the playoffs True. and it's like, like well, okay he's a free agent can you bring him an extra well he'd be 38 how yeah. how much more effective hockey can he play this isn't a strong free agent goalie market um which is why the defense has to be good and that's why i thought darnell nurse just like was it actually helping the team having him play there is he mm-hmm. is him at 60 percent better than most of the other guys at 100 percent? yeah it's 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 a tough, it's a tough I, I would say to a point yes that yeah. is but in the end it's like oh that just that almost feels like you throw in a young guy and just kind of hope for the best. But. Right. But Nurse does so much for them as well. That's, 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 that's the, the other problem. problem. It's yeah. not like you're getting a guy who only does one thing. Okay, here's a question. If Kale McCarr has the same injury, do you think the Avalanche play him the whole time? Oh, See, that's tough because... I mean, Given the context so, that they were ahead in the series, too, I guess. Ahead of the series? I, I mean, this is the tough thing with injuries because... You know, and I was thinking about this with Dreisaitl, where it, say Edmonton had won last night... 
would it have mattered? Like, would he have been able to play game five? You know, because there's adrenaline where you can push through things, but then you have that day off. There's only so much guys can do. So with Makar, you know, so much of what he does is predicated on his skating. You know, if he had a hip flexor problem, then he's, I mean, he's still super smart, so it's going to help, but he's going to be limited. I think, you know, I don't think players should ever play hurt mm-hmm. because I think that, it limits their effectiveness and, you know, it can wipe them out for longer. But I understand that they're competitors and they think they can contribute positively. You know, Colorado's already missing Samuel Girard, but they do have Devon Taves. They do have Bowen Byram who can move the puck up the ice. So, I mean, if it's Makar and you're ahead, would missing a one game help your cause long term or... Would it have mattered because the injury's not getting any better? Though these are the sort of questions where it's like, I'm glad I'm not a head coach yes. because I don't want to make those calls. Yeah, and did, ankle injuries suck in, in the case of Drysaddle. Dry like I mm. hurt my foot um, at the OHL Cup on like day one of the OHL Cup, and I ran on adrenaline. I just kept moving, kept moving, and I suffered and paid the price. Or I just took my uh, foot cast off a couple of days ago. There you go. So it sucks. <laughs> If you're hurt, if you're a normal person, don't play hurt. Yeah, uh, I didn't play any sports except for like for go kart racing, but otherwise, and which is actually a lot of pain and tearing on your foot the whole time. But um, yeah, that was not fun. So don't get hurt. There you go. Uh, speaking of the Avalanche, this is a group that they've swept two series now, two losses. Uh, five years ago, had one of the worst seasons we've seen in the salary cap era. Yep. And a lot of that core is still here today. Mm-hmm. Um, is this just kind of the like? Are they now like obviously we don't know who's going to make it out of the East, but it's mm-hmm. like, are, are the, is this team unstoppable at this point? <laughs> I, I would say they're the favorites, but I wouldn't say they're unstoppable. Whoever they play in the final, whether it's Tampa Bay or the Rangers, you're getting a pretty similar opponent. You're getting one of the best goalies in the league, mm-hmm. whether it's Shesterkin or Vasilevsky. You're getting some high end forwards, whether it's Stamkos and Kucherov or Panarin, Zabanajad. You know, you're getting guys like Sorelli. You're getting guys like Kreider. You're getting, you know, pretty solid decors, whether it's Fox and Truba and, you know, Miller, or you're getting Hedman and McDonough. Um, so my big question with Colorado is they haven't faced a really good goalie yet. Yes, that is very true. Right? So Nashville did not have Saros in the first round. Um, and then, you know, St. Louis went between Huso and Bennington, and obviously Bennington got hurt. Um, but, you know, you didn't have to face a top-end guy there, even though both Huso and Bennington had their moments, yes. for sure. And then you face Mike Smith, who, as we mentioned, had some brilliant saves and then had some terrible gaffes. Yep. Now you're going against either a Vesna Trophy winner or the guy that's probably going to win the Vesna Trophy this year. It just hasn't been announced yet. So how does that change the dynamic of the series? Will And will Kemper be back for you? Now, they're going to have probably at least a week, if not a week and a half of a break. Kemper did back up um, Franco's last night. Yep. So he must be close. That's a good sign. Do you, so switch, you, have, do you switch goalies? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, right? So I, I, I think you probably do. Because yeah. um, Kemper was quite good. Kemper, yeah. yeah. Kemper gives you more. So Kemper versus either Vasilevsky or Shesterkin. You know, Kemper's the underdog, but he doesn't have to be humongous. He just has to be pretty good, as we've mentioned before. Because Colorado has that wicked attack, and yeah. they're fast, and they're heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see Kadri in the final, that's even better. Who Seems knows? unlikely. Seems, based Seems reports, unlikely. Yeah. yeah, thumb surgery. But I wonder, you know, again, is it... Is he out because the surgery has to heal, right? Like, could he play hurt? Could he play in seven days once the stitches are out and things like that? I have no idea. I'm the not nice, a doctor. That's, that's a good thing to get the sweep. A lot of time to figure out now. Exactly. A lot of time to figure out. Like, I know, I, you know, hearing about players in the past where they've had surgery and the reason they couldn't play, it wasn't because of the thing that had to be fixed. It was the fact that they still had a yes. wound that was healing. So... Again, who knows with Kadri? Um, but they have the guys that can step up, and we've seen it already. You know, Comfer, Nachushkin, Newhook. Like, they have plenty of forwards that are really good and, and sort of pulling their weight anyways. Um, I, I, I still think they're the favorite mm-hmm. um, because they're going to come in as fresh as fresh can be, uh, even though they do have some injuries. 
I think it was great that they got the sweep so that they didn't lose any more players because, again, you know, Kemper's going to come back, but Gerard's not coming back. We know that. Kadri probably not coming yep. back. So now you just kind of hope for Tampa and the Rangers to have a longer series where they beat each other up and whatever, you know, nagging injuries uh, those players have <laughs> get exacerbated. That's your hope if you're Colorado, and then you pounce. Um could it go the other way? Could I see Tampa or the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup? I certainly could. So I think it's going to be a great final, no matter who makes it. Um, I, I'd probably give Colorado the edge right now, but I think they have to stay focused and realize that they're going to be playing their hardest series at the end. Yes, in theory. Um, I wouldn't say Tampa Bay did last year in the final. Um, right. But uh, let's say the Rangers move on because they're, they're ahead in the series. This is a team that's played so much, we have to win hockey. Yeah. The Avalanche haven't had that issue yet. True. Uh, and, and these are still hockey players. You, you go into every game knowing you got to win. That's the thing. And that's why, like, that's why I kind of sometimes say playoff experiences that matter. It's it's another game. You're still trying to go. You're still trying to prepare for it. Uh, in this case, the Rangers they've they've had to play so many important games, and they were very close to winning Game Three and taking a three zero series yeah. lead. So who knows what's going to happen tonight in the next game? Um, but I, I, Colorado is just excelling in everything right now. Yeah, they're getting good goaltending when they don't even necessarily need to. And you say that when. Game one and game four, six goals and five goals. Yeah. But Francois was kind of the difference maker in some of those other games there. And uh, Edmonton, you can only, if, if you can't score, it doesn't matter. And, and I believe it was a, what, two, game two was a shutout. Uh, yeah. So if you can't score, it doesn't matter what your goalie does, really. But um, I, Colorado is just like, I, I don't know if I can recall a time where a team has just kind of so easily moved through in this playoffs. Yeah. Because, because yeah, they didn't have the easiest goaltenders to or the hardest goaltenders to play against, but you're still going against McDavid. Sure. You're still going against Dreisaitl. Yep. You're still going against... Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, Tarasenko. Tarasenko. Uh, Giroux. In Nashville, they played against one of the best defensemen in the league. Yeah. Uh, and made him look silly. Yeah. So this is a team that looks like they were both for the playoffs. And Joe Sackick had this tendency to win every trade he does. I don't know if he's got... And great for your agency, obviously, but it's like, yeah. I don't know if he's what he has on these GMs that he seems to win everything he does on those deals. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that will not be the case. Yeah. You don't want to deal with the Avalanche, essentially. But yeah, really. they, uh, they're they in a point right now where there's just not a lot of flaws. It's very true. And, you know, I, I guess the last team I can think of that was that dominant would be the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, okay. In, in yeah. the, the Pronger-Niemeyer year where, I mean, they just blasted through the field. And then, obviously, Ottawa was kind of a speed bump for them in the final. Um, again, I think Colorado is going to get a bigger challenge yes. in the final. But... Yeah, I mean, this is a wagon, you know? And the thing is, they're so motivated. You know, like guys like McKinnon and Landeskog are such fierce competitors. And, you know, it was kind of fun watching McKinnon in his post game interview last night with Kyle Bakaskis, where you could tell he was a bit flustered because he was caught up in the moment of going to his first Stanley mm-hmm. Cup final. But he kept repeating, like, the job's not done yet. Yeah. You know, the job's not done yet. So you can tell that for these guys, and again, it's guys like McKinnon and Landeskog and, and Eric Johnson that remember the bad old days yeah. that are like, we've come so far. And Jared Bednar, too. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, that horrible season was his first yeah. behind the bench. And they stuck with him. And they stuck with him because there was a long-term plan, you know? And it was a matter of, you know, Bednar communicating with those, at the time, young players because you know, Joe Sackick and the Avalanche Brass, they knew that that was the future. Mm-hmm. You know, Landeskog, McKinnon, you know, Ranson in. Um, you know, eventually Kale McCarr joined and obviously became a superstar uh, in, in pretty quick succession. But it was a matter of Bednar getting on the same page as those players, knowing that that was going to be the group that if all went well, they would go to a Stanley Cup. Now we're there. And you can see anytime Colorado needs an important goal, it's Nathan McKinnon who basically takes the puck and says, I'm doing this. He did it again last night. And, you know, obviously the classic game was against St. Louis when he had the hat trick, but he did it again last night. And Kale McCarr, you know, when they need a jump start, it seems like he's always getting points at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And he's putting them in such a good position and he's playing such good defense. Mm-hmm against the best player in the yep. world and McDavid. So again, you know, you look at Kucherov uh, or Panarin, 
I would imagine they're going to see a lot of Kale McCarr because he can keep up with those guys. He's got the skating. He's got the smarts. He does a lot with his stick. So it's going to be so fun. Yeah. So, and I, I wanted to do, talk a bit more about Kale McCarr, but we've kind of touched on him a lot. And this mm. is a guy that's, this is his first true long playoff run. And oh my gosh, it's so much fun watching him play. Like this guy, yeah. it's like, I, I received a text message from someone yesterday who was cutting highlights of the game. I was like, is he like going to be as good as Nick Lidstrom? I was like, I don't know how good he's going to be at this point. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I, I, I think about this every once in a while when we talk about players that are on the ascent to like superstardom or even beyond. And you say, oh, it's not fair to compare Kale McCarr to, uh, you know, Bobby Orr or whoever it might be. I think Wayne Gretzky might have said that or somebody else said that last night. And people are like, oh, how can you compare him? It's like, well, you know what? At one point, Bobby Orr wasn't Bobby Orr. Exactly. You know, and, and back then, maybe people were saying, oh, Bobby Orr is going to be the next whoever. Eddie Shore. I have no idea. Not Eddie Shore because Eddie Shore. He'd be the next Kale McCarr. Nuts. But um <laughs> Yeah, you know, like when Sidney Crosby came in, it's like, oh, can you really compare him to Gretzky? Or, you know, when McDavid came in, it's like, oh, can you really compare him to Sidney Crosby, whoever it happens to be? And it's like, well, okay, maybe they're not there quite yet, mm-hmm. but look at the trajectory yeah. and look at the ceiling. And it's like, yeah, McDavid became the best player in the league. Sidney Crosby became one of the best players ever. Yeah. So could Kale McCarr become one of the best defensemen ever? Sure. Mm-hmm. Look what he's done so far, and look how much more he has to go. And again, high bar, because Nick Lidstrom was still incredible well into his 30s. Um, Kale McCarr, obviously, still in his 20s. But, hey, I mean, the sky's the limit. The talent is there. He's playing against... You know, the hardest competition in NHL history because you have players from all over the world who train Mm -hmm. basically year round and are completely focused. They know the nutrition. They have the mental coaches. He's still putting up crazy numbers for a defenseman. He's still impacting the game in incredible ways. So why not? Yeah. Guy getting 80 points as a defenseman this early in his career. Like, whoa. Wow, that's unbelievable. Hey, so Eric Carlson do a lot of the same things, and Carlson kind of fell off. Injuries kind of hurt him there, but yeah. not really fair comparison, I guess. Um, also, Kale McCarr, where did he play his junior days? The Brooks Bandits of the Alberta Junior A League, junior A hockey. There you it's go. It's awesome. I don't, I don't. Even though I watched a ton of those games on hockey TV, I can't say I appreciated just how good of a player we were watching. Sure, and again, you know, a lot of it is just growth from his game, and you know, a lot of credit goes to uh, UMass, mm-hmm. the program yes. oh, yeah. he went to in the NCAA, and you know, the Minutemen have become kind of a, a defensive factory in the Greg Carville era, mm-hmm. um, and Kale McCarr was kind of at the forefront of yep. that. So. You know, now UMass has a national championship under its belt, and uh, you know Makar had left before it happened. But those building blocks uh, were pretty impressive. He was a big piece of that team that won, even though he wasn't there, because they kind of helped set in motion how good of set a group the table. Was. Yeah. All right, we're gonna switch gears to the Tampa Bay Lightning versus New York Rangers, and uh, this is before uh, tonight's game, obviously. Two-one uh, series lead for the Rangers. Mm. Not a great start for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and mm. I think. I can't remember if we if we both agreed on it, but we I, at least I remember saying that I thought the Rangers were going to probably go out and win game one because they've just played enough of this. We have to win hockey, mm-hmm. and Tampa had this long break that that was going to work out because yeah. the key thing was, okay, Tampa didn't suffer any new injuries, mm. but the Rangers didn't either, and they've been just kind of uh, playing as good as they are. And yeah. I think even though like they've been kind of just seen as this underdog the whole time, and that's a good thing for Ranger, the Rangers because yeah. they're just they're doing as good as they are. But... Um, Kind of just, what were your thoughts on Tampa's start to the series? Well, they're really missing Braden Point. I mean, that's obvious. You know, he's a top-line center and, and such a great talent. He's been so good in the playoffs in the past, helping them win two straight championships. And, you know, at the Combine, just talking to NHL folks, that was the first thing they brought up, is Tampa Bay really misses Braden Point. I do think that they kind of hit a wall in those first two games. And even though the Florida series was easy, you know, Toronto took them to seven. I think that took a lot out of them. And then, you know, luckily for them, they got the sweep against Florida where they had that rest. But I think it kind of backfired on them. The fact that they won game three, I, I do think that's trouble for the Rangers. Because when you're facing a team like Tampa Bay, when you beat Andre Vasilevsky twice in a row for the first time ever in his playoff mm-hmm. career, you got to step on the neck. Yeah. And the Tampa Bay Lightning... They would not go out that easily. And to me, 
this game tonight is going to be pivotal. Yes. Because if Tampa Bay wins, then that's a big mental boost for the Lightning. And I think it's a real body blow for the Rangers who had all the momentum and had a, definitely had a chance to win game yep. three, didn't close it out. On paper, these teams are very evenly yep. matched. And, you know, again, with Braden Point missing, that's really tough for Tampa Bay. You need a guy like Anthony Sorelli to play at a high level, um, you know, down the middle just to sort of cover off. And obviously different skill sets. But, you know, Vasilevsky's got to be the guy. And it's tough because Shosturkin is just as good on the other end of the ice. So it's going to be a goalie battle. You know, this is where you see those veterans really need to step up. You know, whether it's Stamkos and McDonough and Hedman um, or, you know, guys on the Rangers where, you know, Kreider and Zabinijad have been so good. Yep. I mean, all season long, yep. but in the playoffs as well. You know, Jacob Trouba has been such a difference maker. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, even guys like Barkley Goodrow, who, again, have a different role, but have been through those playoff battles yes. before. And this is one of the reasons that they got him in the first place was his playoff experience. So, you know, is this a game where Barkley Goodrow gets a goal and an assist or two goals or something like that um, that really kind of sparks it? Because, you know, you've gotten success from the kid line, mm -hmm. and that's awesome, but those guys haven't been there before. No. So they shouldn't be leading. They should be those guys that give you the secondary scoring, the sort of like kind of like Getzlaff and Perry and uh, Dustin yeah, Penner, yeah. you know, back in that Anaheim uh, championship. That was line. a good group. Now thinking more about that. Dustin. It really that was. was a great team. Yeah. Um, but this is, I, this is the pivotal game for me. Yeah. You don't want to go back to Madison square garden losing three, one. Because no. that's such a hard ring to, to win. For in. sure. And, 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 and again, and if they tie it up, then you're the Rangers and you're like, did we miss our shot? It's tough. Yeah. So Tampa Bay does have the experience. They do know how to win these games, but it's, it's, it's not like they're playing that bad. And it, the thing about Vasilevsky, we were talking about how clutch of a playoff performer he's been in the playoffs. And if you're looking at right now, he's been the worst of the two goalies in the series, but he's still been one of the best goalies in the playoffs. Exactly. It's just like, that's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's a tough series. <laughs> and, and you know, Say what you want about Jack Campbell, but Jack Campbell at one point was a potential Vezina Trophy candidate based off his stats in the first half of that season. Yeah. He was looking really good. He's had to play really good goalies every single series. Yeah. They, they beat Bobrovsky, but again, you can only do so much when your team scores three goals For sure. in the entire series. Yeah. Uh, and Bobrovsky was not the problem there. Um, so he's had to outduel these goalies, and, and yeah. he's getting outdueled right now, but it's still close. Yeah. And you know what you're getting with Vasilevsky. And, you know, he's had a couple of hiccups in this playoff series, but then he always bounces back. Yes. So you know, if you're Tampa Bay, you can trust. Vasilevsky, and obviously the Rangers have had to trust Shosturkin all season long because he was their MVP in the regular season, and he has been excellent for them in the playoffs too. Yeah, so. All right, Smythe picks. Now that uh, Edmonton is out and we are talking about early Smythe picks originally yeah. being McDavid and Drysaddle, and they're both gone. Uh, so now, I guess, for me, the three names that really stand out are Zabinijed, Vasilevsky, and Makar, but who would you say your Smythe pick would be right now? Yeah, I. You know what's funny? Like, let's say the Rangers win it all. I think Zabinajad, uh, unless Shesterkin puts up like a bunch of shutouts, because yeah, one, literally one of those two guys will cancel each other out at the very bare minimum. May, yeah, maybe. But what I was gonna say is the Rangers are very interesting because they have so many guys that are doing so many good things right now. So Zabinajad, obviously, like he's kind of made his own Ovechkin's office there. Yeah, um, and he's been so potent um but then you have jacob truba who's you know just been a physical force mm -hmm. and a real difference maker in a different way and then you have obviously shesterkin uh in net who's been great from all year long so you know when you get to the final I, I don't think guys will necessarily cancel each other out but i think somebody will kind of emerge as the guy where he might not have been heads and shoulders above his teammates but he'll sort of be designated as the Rangers guy. So is it Zibanejad? Very well could be. Um, you know, Vasilevsky, again, with Tampa Bay, they're getting a lot of good performances. So might be Vasilevsky just because he's been that clutch guy. Uh, Makar, certainly. And then I also wonder, based on McKinnon's heroics and the and – the certain goals he has scored, the sort of backbreakers, mm -hmm. does he get consideration as well? And again, you know, the final itself is going to weigh pretty heavily, I think, on the voting. And it's a smaller pool of voters. 
Um, I, I would put McKinnon in there, but I, I, I would say, obviously, McCarr is the favorite right now for Colorado. I've been a big fan of Adam Fox's play, too, as, a, yeah. as an underdog. But I, for me, I'm going with – my pick is McCarr, just what he's doing as a defenseman and what mm-hmm. he's doing as a playoffs. And he's – but at the same argument I kind of made earlier, it's like could the could – the, would the Avalanche have played him hurt if he was hurt, knowing how good this team is? It's like maybe they don't necessarily need him much. So it'd be interesting to see what Vasilevsky can do in the rest of the series here. Yeah, I think Bay. that's key. That that will because if, if obviously they don't make it, it doesn't matter. But but I would also say if Makar wasn't playing, Colorado would be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> see, I just want to see like let's say let's say this is a sweep, and let's say McDavid finishes finishes still the top scoring player, and it's uh-huh. like it'd be so weird not like just because you got to play in the finals to basically win. It's like it's yeah. like it's like. Man, we've you, seen yeah. we've seen Con Smythe winners on losing teams before, but they made it to the final. Yeah, it's like I'd love them to just be like, and the Con Smythe is, and they got the cameras on, like certain guys, yeah. and McDavid just comes like, woo, we yeah. didn't win the cup, but I'm here. Yeah, so that that won't happen. All right, that's it for the topics. It's viewer question time. There's a prospect theme to it, and the prospect podcast will be back at some point. I guess last week, uh, the the video we did on the. Whatever that thing is. The combine was kind of summer. This one, first one comes from Nick Konarowski. What are the biggest standouts for the remaining clubs in the OHL, WHL, and QMJHL finals? I guess, well, which which guys are you kind of keeping an eye on of who's left? Yeah. So, you know, in the final right now in the OHL, we got Windsor and Hamilton and, um, you know, all playoffs long, Wyatt Johnston, who actually just today uh, won the Red Tilson Trophy as most outstanding player in the OHL. Uh, very well deserved. But uh, Dallas Stars first rounder. He has been amazing for the Spitfires all year long. And this was a Hamilton team that had not lost a single playoff game until game one of the series when Windsor took him out. Um, Wyatt Johnston is the engine that makes the Spitfires run. And, you know, they do have a good team overall, obviously, but... You know, what he can do out there offensively and, you know, his mind, his skating, his shot has just been incredible. So mm-hmm. I'll say Wyatt Johnston in the OHL. In the WHL, um, you know, we got Edmonton and Seattle in the final. I'm going to go with Luke Prokop. Okay. Uh, the defenseman for the Oil Kings was acquired this year via trade because the Oil Kings were going for it. He used to play for the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, Nashville Predators prospect. And, you know, it's kind of fun because... Looking back at his draft year about what scouts said about him, they were like, yeah, there's some really good tools here. You know, big kids, skates well, you know, he can move the puck. Uh, You know, it was just a matter of him continuing to develop. Now we're seeing him kind of at the height of his junior powers. And the Oil Kings, um, you know, it's it's not a one-man defense core by any means. They they have Caden Gooley as well. Um, so, you know, Prokop, he's really stepping up his offense. He had a four-point night the other day. Um, to me, he's been very impressive. And, you know, the Oil Kings, I mean, they've got Dylan Gunther. They've got Sebastian Kosa. They've got uh, Kosa, sorry. They have Jake Neighbors. I mean, they have a great team. Um, but I think Prokop has really stood out this season as somebody that has elevated his game. And that's paid off in the postseason. Uh, for the QMJHL, I'm actually going to go with another Dallas pick, Maverick Bork for Shawinigan. Dallas uh, has picked some good players. <laughs> they really have, yeah. Because yeah. Lo- Logan Stankoven uh, for Kamloops, he was amazing this year mm-hmm. as well. Um, but, you know, Schwinnigan Cataracts playing in the final against Charlottetown. Uh, not, not the final we expected, uh, particularly with Schwinnigan, but they've really put together a nice run here. Maverick Bork uh, atop the scoring board for them, as he usually is. Uh, Xavier Burgo uh, is right there with him. Um, you know, they are pretty magic as an offensive uh, tandem there, uh, Borgo, the Edmonton Oilers pick. But, yeah, Maverick Bork, uh, you know, great playmaker and uh, has been excellent for the Cataracts. So there's a... There's, there, there's my top guys. Two Dallas, one Nashville. And uh, I, I forgot to make this part of the, the main topic, but we got a question about it anyway. So Robert Sanders asked, uh, what to make of the Bruce Cassidy firing and what do the Bruins do next? Yeah, so pretty shocking for me yes. because, you know, Bruce Cassidy, I, I thought he's done an excellent job with the Bruins. I, I think he's the type of coach that we've seen him outcoach his peers in different playoff series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at, yeah, okay, they lost to Carolina, but they pushed him to seven. And, I mean, Carolina was a really good team this year. With a rookie goalie for Boston, too. With a rookie goalie. Yeah, no less. Um, so, you know, Don Sweeney was asked about it. And, you know, somebody asked, you know, had Cassidy lost the room? He said no. So, oh, so my question is, okay, so what are the Bruins planning? 
The only thing I can think of is that they recognize that they're going to take a big step back next year. Yep. And we know that they have a bunch of guys that are going to start the season on the shelf due to surgeries. Key guys at that. We don't know what Patrice Bergeron's going to do. And, you know, is he going to continue his career? If he does, is it in Boston? Um, so, with that in mind, do the Bruins plan on going younger next year? And do they think that Bruce Cassidy is not the guy to bring those young guys up a level? Is he more of a veteran coach? That's the only thing I can think of in terms of Cam Neely and Don Sweeney's logic that they need to be thinking about Swayman, Johnny Beecher, Georgie Merkulov, you know, even Jake DeBrusque for that mm -hmm. matter is not that old. Is that the plan? The only thing I can think of, I don't know if it, if that washes with Bruins fans, because I thought Bruce Cassidy had done everything and more that Boston wanted. He's a very likable coach. He really yeah. is. He really is. And that's why it's shocking. And the only thing I can think of is the Bruins plan on taking a big step back. Okay. No, that's quite fair in that case. Uh, all right. That's it for the questions. It's rapid fire time. Let's do it. Uh, this is one that's very important to me. Good. And um, which NHL city has the best food? The best food. Oh, well, okay. So, I mean, you can get everything in cities like New York and Toronto. Um, Nashville is hard to beat mm -hmm. because they have hot chicken and it seems to be a barbecue. I don't know if you noticed all the chicken places around here seem to be Everywhere. bringing in. Because it's the big trend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I do have a soft spot for like Buffalo because I love chefs and I love dinosaur barbecue. Uh, but I would say... Yeah, I'm, I think if you're going for a specific regional food, I would go Nashville and then probably like Dallas because they have insane yeah. barbecue. For me, I haven't been to a ton of NHL cities, but I'm good right now. The food in St. Louis for that All-Star game was unbelievable. Those burn ends and the, the brisket and everything. Happy uh, Smokers. Yep. yep. Buffalo. You can't go wrong pretty much anywhere there. Yeah. Uh, and I always have a soft spot for Calgary. I've never had better hamburgers than when I lived out there. Calgary has the best beef straight up. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, there was a 118. The, it's like a restaurant underneath the um, the Marriott in the downtown. And I they had this one burger. They, I guess, have like a burger competition with their chefs to make mm. the best burger. And there was one. And I don't know. They had like a coffee sauce on it. I don't want to explain it because I, I don't even like coffee as a, the taste. But right. it tasted so good. Best burger I ever had. Went back there after a while. They changed it up, and it was fine. But mm. they also they have a drink, the old-fashioned, and they set it on fire. And it's just cool just to see the drink catch on sure. fire. So shout out to them. One more, I will say, Vancouver. Uh, okay. Pretty much everywhere you go in Vancouver is yes. good. And it's like dim sum, sushi, like... Just baseline any kind of food you get there is going to be pretty good. I like even like I went to a food court and had like amazing stuff. So baseline Vancouver super high. Shout out to Montreal also. And Montreal, yeah. Montreal's always got so, good food. Angel draft time. Yeah. Um, what makes a band a sellout in your opinion? I think if you are chasing a major label deal, then you are a sellout. There are certain bands that get to a point where it just makes sense for them to sign a major label deal just in terms of like distribution. Um, but then there are other bands that their intent is we want to be big. So that would that's how I would distinguish it. Yes. So we talked about that before. So like how like kind of Green Day and Blink-182 were kind of started more in the, the punk scene and then yeah. kind of just got massive but yeah. that was also kind of right place right time yeah and those are two great examples where you know with with blink 182 in particular um it was just like you know like they were never like hardcore scenesters no. they were always playing pop punk and they got on the warp tour and you know their charisma showed and you know i mean they had such amazing hooks and it's like it just made sense for them where they were getting so big so fast that it's like, yeah, you need somebody to handle that. And it's not like they had an allegiance to a label. Like, it's not like they were like rancid with Epitaph or like somebody that was on SST. Like Blink-182 was kind of like just out there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Same with like Green Day, you know, like the story with Lookout Records yes. is, you know, they went to the guy and they were like, look, like you've been great to us. You can keep the rights to our previous albums like Kerplunk, um, but we need to go to a, a major label to take this to the next level. And that guy became, I mean, he made millions yeah. off their back catalog, so good for him. Um, but yeah, Green Day needed to go to that next level. And, you know, I mean, they didn't have, again, they used to play at the, at the Gilman, Gilman yeah. um, but that, you know, they had to move on. And I, I don't, you know, it's not like they were a hardcore band. They were always a pop yeah. punk band. And they, they've started, um, they, they've started side projects where they'll go and just play these small tours. And it seems like that's what they do more for fun. Like Green yeah. Day's, they've, they've got Green Day to the point where it is, but they'll start these other bands and they play these small like, clubs or small little shows. And they still like yeah. care about the community. You won't see Metallica start going and playing them like, some are small. Um, but um, there was also uh, a thing about this one band that played in a Denny's. Um, this oh. one like hardcore band that played in a Denny's. I watched a whole video on it. And how Green Day like donated thousands of dollars to the, the fund because they destroyed everything. <laughs> but Green Day was like, we want to like meet you guys. Like you guys right. did a hardcore show at the Denny's. Like yeah. that's super cool. Yeah. I think they called it the, the Grand Slam actually, which is perfect for the name. Um, which NHL draft combine exercise would you want to try the most? Oh, okay. So, I mean, if you go to my Twitter page, you, you might have seen that I have tried the Wingate. I did it at the OHL draft years ago. Uh, top media score, but like probably worst amongst the 15-year-olds that uh, were yeah, doing it. Yeah, got beat by these kids. <laughs> yeah, like I remember there was a player, Willem DeVoe. I think he had the best score. Uh, he became Green Goblin afterwards. There you go. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, yeah, like, you know, I had like half the capacity he did at 15. Um, the one that I would like to try, I mean, they don't do the the jump test with the rods anymore. That was definitely the most fun looking. Um so with that out of the way, like what's funny more? I, I guess still the jumping. Yeah. Like the force plate, that looks kind of fun. None of it looks fun. No. Uh, and the players all will say none of this looks. I can't remember which player was super sarcastic. Oh, this is great. I love this. Yeah. I want I just want to see what this one gate bike's all about. Yeah, it's and I, I've told people this, like you, know, you want to do your best, and it's 30 seconds, so you're like, okay, I'm going to push as hard as I can. It's weighted, so it's like you warm up, there's no way, it's just a regular bike. And then they drop the weights, and you go, and there's just, a, for me at least, because I'm not an athlete, the disconnect between my legs and my brain was like total. Because my brain is like, I'm going to push as hard as I can, and my legs were just going at the same speed that they could go, and no further. It was kind of hilarious. And then... You know, again, talking to a physiologist about those tests, he was pointing out that you go really fast. You don't see the kids really breathing during the wind gate. You know, they're they're just kind of they're they're on it and they're pushing as hard as they can. They're kind of going back and forth. It's about ten to fifteen seconds afterwards that the recovery begins, where they start trying to get their breath back, and that's also when a lot of them puke. But I just remember, like, I could not get enough calories in my body like I went there was like a little Gatorade station there I had like a protein bar and like a protein shake then I went across the street because it was in Oshawa to that Chinese restaurant yep. and I had like a full lunch <laughs> like I literally couldn't get enough calories in my body like I probably ingested like 2,000 calories right after doing it <laughs> and like I wasn't full after the Chinese lunch that's just nuts. Like it, it's it, hilarious. It's like watching like Noah Warren. He's a big guy out there. Yeah, and him like just it's like holy. Watching him struggle with it, it's like oh yeah, I want to try it. <laughs> it's I mean it's it's like do it once. It's, I, I, it's I wanna, a fun experience. I don't know where I could even try, but <laughs> yeah, that's it's kind of the problem. So, yeah. um, what is the worst music genre ever? Worst music genre ever. Oh, I mean that's a fantastic question because there's been some brutal ones. I'm gonna say. I'm going to say hair metal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. New metal would be like a close second. Because, I mean, you know, I can say, you know, whatever, like swing music. Well, maybe swing music. Like the swing revival. Maybe the swing revival is worse. Yeah. that was Because that was like almost as problematic and super annoying. So I would say a toss-up between hair metal and swing music. For me, I, I will... As I've gone older, I'm so ancient, you know. Uh, I've, I've come to appreciate a lot of different forms of music. I used to think sure. jazz was stupid. Now I'm like, eh, jazz is pretty solid if you listen to it, like, intently. I have no respect for disco. 
Fair. Nothing for disco. Fair. Can't can't listen to it. Uh, yeah. I'd say to a point, uh, SoundCloud rap, but that's mm. just kind of its own weird thing. Where uh, it's it's very popular in a lot of circles, and there's a lot of great careers that start. I just uh. super low quality rap. I just can't get into. But yeah, no, for me, it's definitely disco. I I can't new metal. There's some good new metal, but most of it's pretty garbage. Um, and you know, you're gonna find you're gonna find some. Good in everything. Like corn. I like corn. Yeah. I like, uh, like, Amen had a good, you know, Holiday by sure. Amen. I like, that's a great track. Um, I like Faint by Limp Biscuit. That's the, or is it Faint? That's the, the Faint by Lincoln Park. Sorry, Link, sorry, yeah, that's Lincoln what Park. I meant. Lincoln Park. That's the one where the video where they're like the big spotlights. And yes. It's like yeah. backwards. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're always going to get a song or two. And there's a couple of Motley Crue songs I like that are hair metal, obviously. Um, but, yeah, just in general. Okay. Yeah. Oh, actually, and I would also say post-rock. Oh, yeah. Like I'd... Jim O'Rourke and, like, Low and bands like that. I feel like I like that's where me and my friends, like, split off at one point where they started to get into that stuff. And I kept going on heavier stuff. And we were still friends like and all. instrumental post-rock? Mostly, yeah. yeah. Like... Yeah, because I snail house. I I, li- I list some instrumental post rock when I'm writing just because it's good background music. Sure. I could never listen to it on its own. It's sure. too boring. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as I say that while I'm recording a post rock song. Um, all right, and the final one is real metal band or not? Oh, again. Okay, good, fun. Okay, Evergreen Terrace. Ooh, okay, so that's the street that the Simpsons live on. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. I'm going to say that's a real metal band. Yep, they're a, a metalcore band. I don't know if they're still active, but they're a metalcore band. Nice. Okay. Um, Elmo's Fight Night. Ooh. It's tough with metal because people come with some dumb names. I'm going to say I'm going to say no. It is not a real thing. Awesome. Um, it is not. Uh, you can't spell slaughter without laughter. That's great, but I feel like that's from Batman. And it's pretty long, which does not discount it, but I'm still going to say no. That's an album name for I Set My Friends on Fire. Boom. So uh, you're correct. All right. Uh, a Bullet for a Pretty Boy. Ooh, that's tough because there's Bullet for My Valentine. Which is one of my favorite metal bands when I yeah. first started the So would, a, would somebody come up with that name in the same era? Yes. Well, same era. Very similar style music. Yeah, well, since you said that, then I'm gonna say yes, they are a real band. Yes, I just you kind of you kind of <laughs> tipped your hand on that one. I was dang it. I well, yeah. I, I, I did say metal bands. Like okay, yeah, I yeah. blew that one. <laughs> uh, the number twelve looks uh, looks like you. Hmm. I'm gonna say no. Oh, that's tough. I'm gonna say no, but I feel like I might be wrong on that one. You are wrong. It is a it is a band. Yes. Interesting. And the last one, Parkway Drive. That sounds like an emo band. I'm gonna say it's not a metal band. It is a metal band. They actually just released a new song a couple days ago. So you were rough. Got most of them right. I think so. I got four to six. Yeah. So ruined one of them. Dang, that was that was great. Uh, you should have said no. Um, all right, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it for this week's podcast. The next one we have, we'll be previewing the Stanley Cup final. Will we have that soon this week? We don't know. We don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, a lot can still happen in that series. Uh, of course. Still some junior hockey playoffs. Go check it out. I'm probably going to be at a Hamilton Bulldogs game uh, in, uh, soon, later this week. There you go. Uh, before we go. So, anyways, thank you very much for watching, listening, however you consume it. And we'll see you again soon. Yeah.